somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right, my name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Hello, Scott. So, uh, uh, indeed, you know, a lot of people are talking about Joe Biden and his quid pro quo call with Gahani. Right. And now we're finding out, because uh, it leaked, that what he did was he said, lie. Basically, he said, lie. He said, we got to change the narrative. Whatever the narrative is right now is not working. You've got to change the narrative. If you want us to help you and help give you the air cover that you need, um, you're going to have to change the narrative. You're going to have to come out and make a public statement. It's what he said to Kahani. The public statement saying that the Taliban is nowhere near as a threat as they are. And so Kahani... Uh, was between a rock and a hard place. I need the money. But Kahani was a sellout. I, th- I believe his brother is one of the higher-ups, if not the leader of the Taliban. And he just got up and took the money and run. And from what I understand, a lot of the Afghan military wasn't being properly compensated. And they decided, well, I'm not going to fight for nothing. Right. And, um, but why they're not moving, moving these people to Uzbekistan or some other neighboring country and setting up a resettlement uh, fortress in some other country and establishing a, a caravan of supplies and, and allowing people to set up in their own city. Yeah. Like Little Kabul. Like well, in Miami, they have Little Havana. You know, we've talked about that before. And so during the call, um, President Biden made the comment to Kahani, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And he also went on to say, and there is a need, whether whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. Whether but, it's true or not? Yeah, that's what Biden said Whoa. during the 14-minute call. And he said that he would that they would continue to provide close air support if, you know, we know what the plan is. 
And so some GOP lawmakers are expressing outrage about this, which, again, what you and I were discussing off air is a little bit of a double standard, uh, a little bit of uh, a quid pro quo um, where, you know, we have a comparison about the the phone call um, with Trump and the way everybody um, got all over that. And suddenly there's no reaction to this. And Jen Psaki during a press conference kind of shuts down the questions about it. Yeah, let's take a listen to uh, Jen Psaki right now about that. Let's see. So, you know, the other part is um, Trump's call. Trump actually delivered on policy with Ukraine uh, by delivering the Javelin missiles. And he delivered the missiles before he ever got any agreement fulfillment. Meaning that, you know, in terms of Victor Shokin looking into Burisma, looking to Hunter Biden uh, and that whole business. Um, they never did get a return on that investment. So, you know, that's number one. But to your point, let's take a listen to Chen Saki. Different tone, uh, because uh, what she said during the Trump call was completely different than what she's saying right here. Just, uh, Donnie, I just want to put a pin in that report. Was the president in any way pushing a false narrative in that call with the Afghan president? I think it's pretty clear. Again, I'm not going to go into details of a private conversation, but what we saw over the course of the last few months is a, a collapse in leadership. And that was happening even before Ghani left the country. What the president has conveyed repeatedly, privately, and publicly is you need to stand up and lead your country. And that's something he said at a press conference in July in public forum as well. And Ghani's thinking to himself as Biden's saying that. Number one, you don't have to. You'll never lose leadership because you've never had leadership. Uh, that's number one. Coming from Biden, that's rich. Kahani's thinking, dude, I already have the moving trucks already in. Yeah. Give me the money so I can go about my way, and I'm going to fly out of there, and the Taliban's going to be in charge. Yeah. And everybody knew. Everybody knew that the Taliban was going to be in charge when America left. I mean, that was a no-brainer. If it happened in one day, certainly it was going to happen in any exit strategy we ever had. There was going to be an ensuing conflict and the Taliban was going to prevail. They were more organized. They controlled the money fields, poppy seed fields. And so they were always going to dominate and they were always going to be there. I think what happened was the Biden administration... And I'm talking about not Biden, but Jake Sullivan, Susan Rice, Wendy Sherman, all these people that are pulling the, you know, pulling the strings with regard to foreign policy that Biden reads off of a script is probably being directed by Barack Hussein Obama anyway. And this is nothing more than a refugee settlement program. And that's what they wanted. See, Trump was not about doing that. Trump was about exiting and getting out and letting them just kill each other. Trump didn't care. What are we, what are we actually preserving in Afghanistan? Some precious, precious minerals? We were also working a track with China, but now China benefits directly. A lot of these really uh, valuable mineral fields are like 500 meters away from China, the yeah. China border. So there's a lot of China interest, China influence. These precious metals are also used by the French Airbus planes. They use to make these. And then there's um, petroleum. 
which is also another big component to the Afghan uh, revenue stream. Of course, poppy seeds and drugs. And now with our open borders, we're seeing more and more of that flow through our southern border. We don't even know. We can't even track, for example, in our southern border, we can't even track children now. We're finding out that, did you hear about that, Leonardo? Yeah. There, there, there were all these children that we had no idea where they were. You know? Right. We call them up. Thousands and thousands of them. We're calling them. Can't locate them. Yeah. And what kind of system is going on? No, this is all by design. They changed Trump's exit strategy. And what they did was they decided that they were the smartest people in the room, maybe, is what they were, they were thinking about themselves. And Jake Sullivan and Wendy Sherman and all these people would get together and they say, you know the Taliban's just going to take over anyway. And it's going to be a kettle box. It's going to be oil and water. It's going to be like Sykes and Pico all over again in the Middle yeah. East yeah. at the end of the Ottoman Empire and the end of World War I, where we just divvied things up based on natural resources, not thought at all about religion, context, conflict, and the whole ball of wax. So they said, okay, so what we ought to do is just plan on getting all these Afghans out. And that's what they did. But they were so focused on the Afghans, they weren't focused on the American citizens. Right. You know, the uh, Service International Visas, SIVs. Right. Um, and these people that were holding these, doing work for the United States, were left behind. And more and more journalists. There was about 600 journalists that were left behind. Right. Americans were left behind. And and there was an Afghan interpreter who actually rescued Biden about and John 12 Kerry. years ago. And John Kerry and uh, Chuck Hagel in the snow. And it was a, you know, a very, very difficult job. He's been left behind and he's, you know, he's sent out public pleas. Mr. President, come save me. You know, it's interesting. I like what Rep- Georgia Representative Jody Heiss said, you know, when he when they were talking about Biden's call with Connie, he basically said this is yet more evidence that Joe Biden is totally disconnected from the real world, changing perspective. Perception is political spin, not a national security strategy. So, for him to be advising a you know world leader about how to shift uh, his perception and shift the way the the world views you is really all about you know your own your own promotion of yourself. It, it doesn't have it doesn't have to do with national security or military tactics. Well, you know, I read that tweet yesterday. It said, you know. I've heard the name Bo mentioned more times than I've ever heard the names of the 13 fallen Marines. And there's a, these are 13 fallen Marines heading into Thanksgiving, heading into Christmas, heading into New Year. They have families that were destroyed by this. Yeah. And the Pentagon and the administration in charge right now is claiming a huge success. That's a slap in the face to everyone that has gone through this horrid experience. It's a slap in the face to the people that are assured to be beheaded or shot in a a lineup. There are people that are going to go door to door. They're locking the country down as we speak. You can't get out. You can't run. You can't hide. You will be shot dead. 
And I think in the weeks to come, the Taliban is going to show that they are the boss. They already had a parade with all of our Humvees. Yeah. Some of these Humvees, they cost $250,000 a piece. They have tens of thousands of them. What kind of yeah. exit strategy is that, Mark Milley? Or Secretary of Defense Austin? What kind of what kind of exit strategy was this? And it's just absurd. So now they're tanking in the polls. I guess you got the Rasmussen poll with a an approval rating of forty two percent. But you have a liberal Pew Center. Yeah. And they have some numbers. Yeah, so um the 54% of U.S. adults say that the decision to withdraw troops from the country was the right one, but there, but 69. Well, thank per- you, Trump. Yes, and that was Trump's decision. But 69% of the public says the United States mostly failed in achieving its goals in Afghanistan, and the public is broadly critical of the Biden administration's handling of the situation in Afghanistan. You know, so it's only like a quarter of uh, respondents who say that Biden did a good job there. So, I mean, it's, you know, you, you cannot erase from our minds the images of people still stuck in Afghanistan and Biden and his team coming out and basically saying that, okay, well, there's only about 10% left, or, you know, you know, I thought we don't leave anybody behind i thought that's what we were always told we will go after all of our people whether they are alive or dead we will bring them home and this is a slap in the face to anybody who has believed that and as you were saying a moment ago the families of people the 13 soldiers who gave their lives to this cause and what about all the many others who went before what what have the last 20 years there been worth this well, is, as we approach 9-11, right. 20th anniversary. Exactly. It's going to be, from an optics perspective, it is going to be probably the worst 9-11 imaginable. The worst. Beca- because, you know, this is, a, this is a, a situation where, and you and I talk about this every year, and as, you know, people know, I was uh, located in New York at the time, and I, you know, have very... Um, still very strong memories from that day as do many about well, you, were two, you were just two blocks away from exactly, the buildings that fell exactly and you were trapped in a building with dust all over you right well i knew well we were held there until we were able to leave but but still the point is is that biden actually strategically tried to use the anniversary of 9-11 to tie it together with getting the troops out of afghanistan and he couldn't have bungled this more on every possible front the foreign policy front the national security front and yes the perception front and and this is very bad because what you know what is happening right now and you and i discuss this all the time is that there are call there are a lot of people who think he should resign but then there are people that are equally frightened that if biden is no longer the president then kamala harris who is an even more dangerous liberal uh, even more radically to the left she, will become the she, president and Kamala she's Harris really got, not up to the job either she got less than one percent nation nationally yes she got less than three percent in california for the democrat primary she was a dismal disaster as a presidential candidate and then if you go back to her record as a senator and her record as the attorney general of california uh, you know on all the social issues she is radically left but i believe that obama pushed kamala totally totally 
And, they, you know, there was a push to take Kamala. For the VP for spot. For the VP spot. And, and, uh, and I think that, you know, Trump was right when he said that Nancy Pelosi was tweaking the 25th an- Amendment uh, to make it easier to impeach. Yeah. And here we got, you know, the Democrat Party in charge. That's what Mitch McConnell reminds us of. Yeah. Hey, you know, I can't do anything. I'm not in charge anymore. And so you got the Democrats full of hypocrisy. You, know, you take what's happening now and compare it to a perfectly good call with Ukraine. It's a complete difference. But, you know, you have the mainstream media that's involved with this whole thing. And anytime you've got the mainstream media telling you up is down, down is up, gaslighting the American population. They've done it with COVID. They did it with, the ele- uh, they did it with Hunter Biden. They did it with the 2020 election. And they just gaslight yeah. the heck out of America. It's a propaganda arm. It's it's all about Chinese influence and money. It's all about multinational corporations dictating how the, what the media and the news media says and controlling the money. And so these media arms are weak. They're dependent financially. And so therefore they can be controlled. And so Will Kane actually makes a very good point in this sound clip. We're going to play it. Clip, we all scoffed. Greg said, which side? I wondered when Jin Psaki was talking about a collapse in leadership, if she was talking about the United States of America. When she said, stand up and lead your country, I hope she was saying that in the Oval Office because that's what's missing. You may reserve judgment, Geraldo. I'll pick up your slack and I will pass judgment. <laughs> and I'm going to pick up where Dagan left off because this is the big story to me. Sometimes we use words like spin or political optics or even lies sometimes, and I, and I worry they're not even strong enough because what's going on is we are creating a pseudo-reality. We're passing off on the American people a reality that does not exist, and it's not limited to this story. We have overplayed COVID fears far beyond what the rational fear is for the average human being out there. We have convinced people out there that unarmed black men are being gunned down in the streets by cops. And now we are suggesting that Afghanistan was a success. These are false realities. They're pseudo realities. They do not exist. And the reason they're being passed off in the American people is to accumulate power for the one that is telling the lies. This story, it is very clear who would benefit from the lie. This is not reality. You're not saying on the police shootings they don't happen, but it's not this massive number. People will be stunned to find out what the real number is and what the circumstances is. People have no conception, Shannon. Yeah, they don't. They vastly overestimated. Even conservatives watching, there's there's studies on this. Even conservatives watching think the number's in the thousands Mm -hmm. every year when the number is in single digits. Yeah. Uh, And and again, I mean, it's all about perception on this. The number's like nine. Yeah. And people think it's in the thousands in terms of white cops shooting black unarmed um, yeah, perpetrators, and uh, so that's uh, you know a statistic that has been blown out of proportion. As was Michael Brown, hands up, don't shoot. And of course, Black Lives Matter was based on a lie, as Marxists always base their beliefs on lies. Just take a look at that uh, teacher out in California, yeah, who was busted by none other than um, James O'Keefe, yeah. Who we're going to be at a party with in October, I believe. Yes, we will be. Yeah. And um, so James O'Keefe had his crew do an undercover interview with this teacher who was a flat-out Marxist. He had a picture of the Chinese um, 
former leader from the you know Ch- Tao or Zhao or whatever it was, but the, he's he's so into Antifa, and Antifa it just strikes me like how stupid the name Black Lives Matter is. All lives matter, right? All black yeah. unborn children matter. You can go that way, right? I mean, when does it stop? This ridiculous gaslighting from the American people. Our Antifa. They're the biggest fascist group I've ever seen in my life since Hitler. And they donate directly to Joe Biden, but nobody questions that. Antifa.com would go to JoeBiden.com during the campaign. And BlackLivesMatter.com had a donate button that donated exclusively to Act Blue. And the Democrat DNC was in bed with this. And they never get called to the carpet. They never get called to the carpet. They were just nothing more than a fundraiser. So every time NBA or NFL or a corporation or your public library or a public space or your city mayor creating a plaza or painting Black Lives Matter down the street, they're using your money to actually create PR for their party. Yeah. That is so illegal and unfair and a violation. Where are the lawyers that are stepping up and combating this stuff? Yeah. Where's the organization that's doing this? Well, well, we don't have enough muscle. Well, first of all, we have to have places like Project Veritas, Red State Talk Radio, other places that expose this type of thing. But with, um, you know, apparently what that teacher said in the video that was captured, the undercover video, he said, I have 180 days to turn them, meaning the students, into revolutionaries, scare the blank out of them. Uh, you know, and again, this is what what is happening See, that's in more our about him. schools, in that's our narcissism. public schools, this is this what is happening. This person thinks that they can make a difference. When, you know, they signed up to be a teacher to teach math and grammar, you know, and yeah. basic, the basics, history. You know, there's guidelines. We, we never were subjected to this, I don't believe. Although I remember in college, you know, I was told what magazines or... Uh, newspapers I could read and which ones I couldn't. I was studying politics and I have a bachelor degree in political science and a minor in marketing, but marketing and business, they didn't worry about the ideology, so it was different. But as soon as you get into the world of politics, politics has always been something that permeated through society. I, I used to say this. I used to, this used to be a little saying of mine 20 years ago. I used to say to people, everything runs through politics. Yeah. Everything. And now, it's worse. It's worse. Everything is politics. It's not just runs through politics or is impacted by politics, but it's actually influenced by politics or, or censored by politics. It's gotten so much worse. It's gotten very militant. All right, so we're going to listen to two more clips. That uh, This one's from... So the gaslighting. The reason why the media is all supportive of the liberal agenda is because it's about political power. Yeah. So we just heard Will Cain talk about gaslighting America. 
you know, this whole thing about like how ivermectin, there was a court case in Texas, I believe, yeah. where they voted that the hospital cannot ban this family from getting the ivermectin. We yeah. still don't know whether this guy is going to make it or not. Um, but it was a Supreme Court decision that de- de- declared that this guy should have a right to try. Remember when Donald Trump came out with that great yeah. policy, right yeah. to try? And somehow they don't want you to have a right to try. And we're talking about the drugs. You no, know, I'm the- talking about the liberal pharmaceutical medical industry yeah. that's in the tank with the Democrat Party. They don't want you to try because trying messes up their agenda of patents and pushing things through to make profit. And that's what Fauci was withholding data from. He was holding data. He was, he was destroying the narrative about the positives of hydroxychloroquine. And he was destroying the narrative of, you know, all these other things. And, and uh, yeah, I was hearing something in my yeah. head. Um, but in any case... Yeah, I'm hearing some background. Yeah, I'm hearing a commercial coming on. Okay, we got it. We got it fixed. But in any case, let's just, before we get to um, before we get to the agenda that is the Afghan war right now, the one that Biden changed from Trump to Biden, just like the Ukraine was changed from do nothing to do something, where Trump actually gave them what they needed, javelin missiles. Now he changed the Afghan exit strategy from exiting properly with lives intact Mm -hmm. and allowing them to kill each other to exploiting the situation for importing voters. And when you see the voting lists, and Leonora is going to cue that up for us and maybe get us a list of the cities that represent states uh, to where these Afghans are going. But let's listen to John... Joe Rogan, talk about him getting COVID for a second. Because basically the headline over on Gateway Pundit says, media melts down after Joe Rogan says he recovered from COVID in three days after taking ivermectin z Now I'm going to try to mute out one bad word. There's one bad word in here. I've already listened to this, so I kind of know where it is, but I'm hoping that I don't miss it. So if I do, my apologies. Hello, friends. So I got back from the road Saturday night, feeling very weary. I had a headache and I just felt just run down. And just to be cautious, I separated from my family, slept in a different part of the house. And throughout the night, I got fevers and sweats and I knew what was going on. So I got up in the morning, got tested, and it turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. Uh, and I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip. And I did that three days in a row. And so here we are on Wednesday and I feel great. I really only had one bad day. Sunday sucked, but Monday was better. Tuesday felt better than Monday, and today, pretty fucking good. Uh, That's the good news. The bad news is we have to move Friday, the Friday show in Nashville. 
uh, it's going to move to Sunday, October 24th. So that will be the new Nashville date. All right. So that's pretty much it. Now, I did try to mute that. I muted half the word. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, <laughs> if people can tell what it is. <laughs> yeah. That's Joe Rogan. Yeah. Well. And um, so here's the deal. The deal is he's talking about, you know, hydroxychloroquine, Z, Z-Pak, yeah. and ivermectin. He just blasted his body with all this stuff that just crucifies the COVID virus. It just knocks it out like yeah. a, like Mike Tyson punching a, a soy boy of Antifa uh, kid fighting in the streets. When did the expression soy boy enter our common conversation? I never well, heard that. Well, it's those pasty white, overly pierced uh, couch potatoes that live in their parents' basement. And they drink a lot of soy lattes. That's where that's yeah. coming from, yeah. yeah. And, and they think they're tough. <laughs> I don't think they think they're tough. No, they I, do. They do. They put the helmet on. Yeah. They have a crowbar in their hand, and they let other people do the fighting for them. And then when the person's laying on the floor, they have that little man syndrome, kind of like Anthony Fauci, and they want to kick somebody in the head while they're not looking mm-hmm. or throw a rock in somebody you or throw an say. egg in their face or yeah, throw a yeah. pie in their face. All right, all right. That's what I look at as a soy boy, soy boy. Antifa boy. And um, in any case, so... They're trying to hide. The media is trying to hide. And, um, but what's their true agenda? Their true agenda with COVID is all about vaccine passports you and know social what I was media credit, social of, credit scores. You know what I was thinking? Besides the social credit stores, scores, which I think is something you hit on, but I also think, I was having this thought earlier, when is this going to end? Okay, first we heard two weeks to slow the spread. Then we were, you know, in, not allowed to do anything for months on end. Then we were told, okay, you, you have to wear masks. Then it became, okay, then you got to get vaccinated. You got to get dose one. Then you got to get dose two. Then there was some ambiguity between whether you could, uh, whether if you're already vaccinated, whether you still needed to wear a mask. Now we're hearing that we need booster shots. I mean, wh- when does this end? I mean, well, Trump what, says what, the booster shots are all about profit well of course they are and that was what my thought was is that this just continues it it's like you know i had a physical recently and 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 of course covid is now part of the dialogue did you have the shot oh, did you have your variant. second shot and there's it's a called new the mu variant mu mu yeah um but now the booster is something that's being talked about and but what's going to happen? Then we get another booster in the following year, and this just continues and continues. Uh, one thing I will say that I was happy to see, I saw school buses this past week because I left at a slightly different time. And I was like, great, kids are going back to school in some places. Um, so, uh, you know, enough of this learning on your computer at home. All right, I'll get off my soapbox now. No, that's good. Oh. That's good. All right. Good. See, we miss you. Oh. All right, so here we go. So all the Afghan refugees are being placed in key swing states. Let's take a listen. Maybe we won't even need that chart. Uh, so if you've gone online I got recently ready, and visited the official website of the State Department run by Mr. Tony Blinken, you'd have found a list of what they call welcoming communities. These are places where Afghan refugees, in particular special immigration visa holders, will be settling in the United States. And if you look at that list long enough, you may notice something especially if you cover politics. You may notice that these communities include an awful lot of swing districts and swing states all over the United States. It's not just Virginia. Three of these communities are in Texas, a state the Democratic Party has tried to flip for years now. It's their first priority. One of these cities is Austin, one is Dallas, another is Houston. 
The State Department has also urged Afghans to go to the state of Pennsylvania. Does Pennsylvania need more people? Probably not. A lot of unemployment between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, but Pennsylvania is also a state that Donald Trump won in 2016. So maybe they should go there. Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, Nevada, Colorado, they're also on the list. Are you surprised by this? Funny. One swing state that's not on the official list is Wisconsin, but they're getting a lot of refugees from Afghanistan, too. This hasn't been publicly announced. We learned on Monday when Congressman Tim Tiffany joined us to describe his visit to Fort McCoy in the state of Wisconsin. He said of the 2,000 Afghan nationals there, none were special immigrant visa holders, meaning none had worked for the U.S. military. None of them were, quote, allies, the people to whom we owe free health care. He also said that these Afghans, despite not being allies, were free to walk off the base any time into our country and just move here. Like, whatever. No paperwork for them. Nobody was stopping them. And there are about to be a lot more people like this at that base. CBS News is now reporting that Fort McCoy is being asked to hold up to 13,000 Afghans. The governor of Wisconsin aware of this? What do the people of Wisconsin think of it? Nobody cares what they think. It's not their country. Oh, but it is. And you should be nervous watching this. In a truly democratic system, in a functioning democracy, the people who wrecked Afghanistan and humiliated the United States and sapped American power, maybe forever, would be punished badly in the midterms. They would lose power over this. They'd be held accountable. But the problem is the elections are rigged, so... You're not held accountable. You want me to mention the list anyway? Sure. So I'll do it. And just before you do that, uh, one of the things, too, he didn't mention Missouri, really. Missouri is being taken care of through the open borders in the southern. And by the way, the list you're about to read, it's also being targeted. That that same target list is also what is the same list on the open borders. Right. Well, yeah. So that, that makes sense. Okay. So let's go through the list. Phoenix, Arizona. Denver, Colorado, Jacksonville, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, which uh, Tucker had already referenced, Chicago, Illinois, Baltimore, Maryland, you just mentioned Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, northern New Jersey to to include Elizabeth Highland Park. I don't know. There's very specific about that. Las Vegas, Nevada, Buffalo, New York. Cleveland, Ohio, Portland, Oregon. Uh, He mentioned Pennsylvania. Specifically, it's Philadelphia, PA, and Pittsburgh, PA. And he also mentioned Texas, Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston. And then finally, in Utah, we have Salt Lake City. Was Atlanta on the list? Atlanta was on the list, yes. Was Milwaukee on the list? Milwaukee wasn't, but we already talked about how Wisconsin wasn't on the list. How about Detroit? Um, Detroit was not on the list. But a lot of cities where there was election fraud. Yeah. Where they have operatives in place, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, and a lot of these, St. Louis. I've been talking about St. Louis, Missouri. Now, Louisiana wasn't on this list, but I can assure you that that's where a lot of the open border immigrants are going. And I'm telling you that Louisiana, who has a Democrat statewide elected governor uh, right now, can flip. Yeah, And Missouri, who not too long ago had Claire McCaskill, a statewide U.S. senator, radical left, won that seat. Yeah. So you got to understand that these states are flippable with these types of shenanigans in play. And what is Ronald McDaniel doing in all this? I mean, 
Nobody knows where Ron McDaniel is, and nobody really cares. She sucks. Um, I can't <laughs> Tell us it. how you really feel, Scott. I think she's a piece of crap. Ron McDaniel. All right, you I shouldn't think. talk that way about people. Okay. All right, well... I'll, how about you just say she's a very ineffective leader of the GOP? Gosh. That's a better way to say it. I wish I could be like you. <laughs> I wish I could do that. Honestly, that sounds so polished, so well, well said. No, honestly, it's so frustrating. You see these people in charge, just fat and happy, you know? Like Ron McDaniel. What? Nothing. <laughs> no, I just can't stand her. But, you know, she and, you know... Uh, her uncle? Is that, that what it is? Yeah, he's her uncle. And and you notice while Trump was still president, she stopped using her maiden name. She stopped calling herself Ronna Romney McDaniel, although she'd Ronna sell, Romney is a bit of a tongue twister. She'd sell out her family if it meant that she was going to put more food on her plate. No, no, she would say, there are things with which my with, about which I do not agree with my uncle. She said that a lot, actually. Yeah, right. She said that when I was opportunistic. She said, or as my mother would say, she would say, she said that because she found it uh, useful to do so. Well, you know who's a worse rhino than Meghan McCain or Ronald McDaniel? Yeah. Lindsey Graham. Listen to this about Lindsey Graham. Tucker Carlson had a really good expose on Lindsey Graham. It's hard to overstate the damage. Everybody knows I feel worse about Lindsey Graham than I do Ronald McDaniel. So I am not going to say any words. Of, of negativity because I, I might uh, get censored. So I don't want to say that. All right. ...administration has done to the United States over the past couple of weeks. They abandoned hundreds of American citizens in Afghanistan, including school children, even as they imported thousands of unvetted Afghan tribesmen into the United States. And then on the way out, as one final insult, they armed the Taliban, which is now the best equipped army of its size in the world. It's all beyond belief. Most people are stunned by it. We've got to be honest and tell you that the Biden administration didn't do this alone. They've had a lot of help over a very long time from the reckless neoconservatives who run our foreign policy establishment. The main reason Americans were so shocked by the fall of Kabul last week is that for years, people in Washington have been lying to them about it and telling them everything in Afghanistan is just fine. It's improving, forever improving. Our sacrifice is well worth it. Our strategy is successful. Just keep sending us money and young soldiers and we will make the world safe for America. For decades, that's what they've told us. One of the main mouthpieces for these lies has been Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Graham identifies as a Republican, but his views in real life are indistinguishable from, say, Tony Blinken's or Mark Milley's. Graham's real constituents are in permanent Washington, not in South Carolina. We've pulled together tonight three representative sound bites that tell you the story of Lindsey Graham's personal responsibility for the debacle now on display in Afghanistan. Here's the first of them. This is from 12 years ago. In it, Graham explains that as an Obama superfan, he is totally in favor of sending 35,000 more troops to fight a pointless war, despite the fact he knows perfectly well that many of them will die. Watch. When it comes to Afghanistan, I am completely supportive of the president-elect's decision to send 35,000 troops into Afghanistan. They are needed. I would like every American to know this that not only are the troops needed, unfortunately casualties are likely to increase, but we have a game plan in Afghanistan that I think justifies the expenditures of blood and treasure that's about to come. 
nuzzling with Obama, telling us that unfortunately casualties will increase, but we have a game plan in Afghanistan that I think justifies the expenditures of blood and treasure. So now's the moment to ask, really, Lindsey Graham, what exactly was that, quote, game plan? And at what point did you realize that it wasn't working? Well, if Graham ever knew that his plans were failing, somehow he forgot to mention it to the rest of the country. So here he is two years later telling us that we're really, really close to winning in Afghanistan and not just in Afghanistan, but also in Tunisia, Egypt, Libya, Syria and Yemen. This clip is hard to watch, but please make yourself. We're on the verge, in my view, of turning this thing around. I see Afghanistan, this is in Tunisia, Egypt, Libya, Syria, Yemen as incredible opportunities to change the world for the better. If we as Congress accelerate the withdrawal schedule because it's popular at home, we will undercut all the gains we have made. So the beauty of videotape is it lives forever. That was 10 years ago. Afghanistan, Tunisia, Egypt, Libya, Syria, Yemen. Lindsey Graham described them all as little laboratories to test his theories. All those places still exist. They're still countries. The question is, how are they now? Has any one of those countries been improved by Lindsey Graham's game plan? That's a good question. You have to ask the people who live in those countries, many of whom have since fled as refugees to Germany and Sacramento, California. Lindsey Graham himself has not weighed in on the results of his game plan. He doesn't like to look backward. Reflection suggests accountability. If there's one thing Lindsey Graham is strongly opposed to, it's that. Instead, by this spring, Lindsey Graham had dropped the talk of winning the war against terrorism or bringing democracy to the great unwashed. Those were yesterday's goals. The new justification for keeping troops in Afghanistan was the fight for global feminism. We've sent Marines to Kabul to tear down the patriarchy, Lindsey Graham told us. Keep in mind that Lindsey Graham said this with a straight face right into the camera. And here's the saddest of all news. As difficult as Afghanistan has been and will be, things have changed. I went over right after the fall of the Taliban. Today, there are over six million women who've been educated. Kabul is a very commerce-driven area. People can sing and dance and this is five live their ago. lives without the oppression that the Taliban brought on them. Oh, he's been going there for 20 years. We're sad to tell you tonight that Lindsey Graham's dream has died. The last gender studies class in Afghanistan has <laughs> shuttered its doors. Everyone in that country is now thoroughly binary. So the question is, was the whole experiment worth it? We'd love to know what Lindsey Graham thinks about that. You see him on television quite a bit all the time on his never-ending fundraising tour. I'm a conservative. Send me money. It's political televangelism. But weirdly, Lindsey Graham won't come on this show. And that's a shame because it would be a worthwhile conversation for everyone. The yeah, Lindsey Graham, mm -hmm. such a hypocrite yeah. loser. You know, I will never forget how he played this. And I think he was instrumental in being a thorn in the Trump administration's side. And I think it was because, although they had no dirt on Trump, I think it was Lindsey Graham that was promising that once, once 2018 rolled around, and Nancy Pelosi took the gavel. Thanks in probably some part to uh, uh, 
Kirsten Nielsen. And it's the reason why she got fired is because she allowed the Republican Party to be played. There was no reason, given the economic boom that was going on under Trump in the first two years, given all the successes that Trump achieved immediately after being elected, and there was just no way. And if you look at uh, that would make any sense. We lost no seats in the, the Senate. We were supposed to lose the Senate. The House, these districts were being played by Soros and company. And Kirsten Nielsen, head of DHS at the time, was supposed to be in charge of all that, allowed herself to be played by the Democrat election fraudsters. So she lost her job, but what ensued after that was a whole bunch of stuff. You know, the, the perfectly good call. You know, you got Alexander Vindman, lieutenant colonel, basically listening in on the call, Ukraine expert, and edited the notes, took those notes, and then became the initial whistleblower, talking to George Kent, Mr. Bowtie guy, <laughs> and the CIA guy who was working in the NSC in the White House as a plant, Eric Ciaramella, who, if you mention his name on Facebook, you get banned. Now, Eric Ciaramella became the whistleblower and hired Mark Zaid, the, the uh, coup attorney, who said on January 30th, 2017, a coup has started, series of many steps, lawyers will be involved, ultimately impeachment. And then Eric Ciaramella uh, recommended to Adam Schiff, who is now in control of the House, in control of the impeachment process, basically then uh, decided to hire Sean Misko, which was basically Eric Ciaramella's lover. They both worked in the White House as NSC. And together they were colluding so that Adam Schiff never had to lie <clears throat> and say that he was talking directly with and working directly with the whistleblower. I've never met the whistleblower, he said. Well, in part, that's because the guy he hired, Sean Misko, and his lover, the whistleblower, Eric Ciaramella, was working with people like from the Biden infrastructure, like Mike Carpenter, another guy that was connected with the State Department and foreign, foreign affairs, foreign services. Mike Carpenter, you may remember, is that guy that was sitting to Biden's right when Biden was on that videotape bragging up a storm about he shook down, how he shook down Ukraine to get the prosecutor fired, withholding a billion dollars in taxpayer money. Well, all of that played out. And Lindsey Graham was there to basically say, I could either tell the Senate to vote to get you removed, or I could tell the Senate to allow you to stay. But what I need, Mr. President, is your endorsement. And the other thing I need is to make sure that the South Carolina GOP doesn't have a primary this year, and I need your cooperation that we're going to try to, we're going to build a, play it off like we're trying to protect our president in a time of COVID. And that's exactly what they did. And Lindsey Graham got away, because the only way Lindsey Graham could have lost his seat is in the primary, not in the mass election, where he could ride 
Trump's coattails. He got away with it because he didn't have to get go against another conservative that means something. So Lindsey Graham kept his job by rigging the South Carolina GOP and then strong-arming <clears throat> based on no leverage but created leverage based on a pack of lies because the impeachment papers came over to the Senate and it was basically well known that the Senate will do anything that John McCain, who is not alive at the time but was alive and controlled the Senate, just like Lindsey Graham, and basically they controlled how the Senate would go. They only needed a few. And so that's how they did it. And it made it very risky. So Donald Trump, I think, negotiated an arrangement where he uh, would be seen on Air Force One with Lindsey Graham. And he helped Lindsey Graham win that six-year term in 2020. And here, now you got Lindsey Graham nowhere to be found, nowhere to be heard. All the promises he made about Durham and all these investigations and all the people he was going to call. He was going to call Hunter. He was going to call all these witnesses. He was going to do all these things. We saw him on Maria Bartiroma, left and right, making these empty promises. He is the worst of the worst. Lindsey Graham. And here he is. Now, you know, and he was always part of the military-industrial complex. He was always making money. Look at his position on Syria. Look at his position in Afghanistan. They're basically the same playbook. Perpetual war, arms distribution, and again, I've always been saying, watch that movie War Dogs. It's exactly how things play out. You get these players that basically need upfront cash. They get private investors that expect a huge return on their investment. And they get it. But they have to coordinate with politicians who... You know, because you're dealing with national defense systems and you're dealing with um, national defense agreements. So, like I remind people, when Obama promised Ukraine blankets and pillows and everybody laughed and thought, that doesn't make any sense. When it doesn't make any sense, it usually is because it's not sensible. But what if you were to add the equation that you're not supposed to know, that there was a black market arms distribution deal gained run out of the military-industrial complex to keep these lobbyists, the military-industrial complex players happy and cooperative because it's these outsiders in Washington that are part of the think tanks, the lobbyists, and the news cycles. They could sink a presidency quicker than anything else. And there's nothing you can do about it. So you got to keep everybody happy. you got to keep the gravy train flowing. And that's exactly what was going on. In Wa- that's exactly what goes on in Washington. That's why the real estate market values in D.C. are some of the highest absolutely. in the world. No, they're absolutely the highest in the world because we've got the swamp here. And that's why, uh, you know, it continues and they continue to be high because people believe that this is where they they need to be, um, just as people seem to used to believe that they needed to be in New York, although COVID, I think, has changed a little bit of that. And they also believe that they were needed to be in Silicon Valley. So were you going to read some tweets? 
I think I am. I think I'm going to get into some tweets. You know, it's kind of nice to see that John Lydon from the Sex Pistols, he said this. He said, I never thought I'd live to see the day when the right wing would become the cool ones, giving the middle finger to the establishment, and the left wing becoming the sniveling, self-righteous, twatty ones, going around shaming everyone. Sex Pistols. You know what they say? If you uh, wait around yeah, long and, enough, and our guest, <laughs> right? If the, you know what they say? If you wait around long enough, you hear you, you get to see everything. That they, you know, that's what people say as they get older. I never, I never knew I'd live long enough to see the day. You know, or when hell freezes over and those types of things. That's yeah. a good quote. So yesterday on Twitter, social media, there was a lot of talk about Hillary was right. Hillary. Was right. <laughs> And you just could sort of see if Kamala's not going to work out, they're going to try to figure out a way to, um, you know, figure out how to way to get Hillary back in, right? Well, you know, it's funny as I think about that, that might be the lesser of two evils. <laughs> it's scary. So this girl, I just discovered this girl named Amy on uh, uh, Twitter. She was kind of funny with some of her tweets. Yeah. Like, the first tweet I saw her do was just not political, really. She says, Mom called. She's worried about the weather. And wants me to leave work early. You guys, I'm 50. <laughs> but that's parents, right? That's, that's what parents do. I got a similar message from a family me- member yesterday, too, actually. Yeah. So then she said, lefties be yelling. At, she writes like this, right? She says, lefties be yelling at each other today about Hillary. And that was really actually insightful because they're trying to drum this up. She also said Meghan McCain is either incredibly stupid or grifting for a new job. <laughs> That's probably true. Uh, Amy also writes, what law is being broken by faking a vaccine card? Yeah. Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, right? I'd just fake it. Yeah. Emerald Robinson writes, how bad are things? Things are so bad that Facebook was caught disappearing the social media accounts of the grieving mothers of Americans' fallen soldiers. Rick Arnell writes, Biden asked a world leader to lie. <laughs> Where is Maggie from New York Times, right? Uh, there's so many great uh, tweets here that I want to read out. We always get to the tweets last. We got the music playing. It's silent, but you can't hear it, but it's playing right there. So we're at the end of our show. I want to thank uh, Leonora for spending some time with us today. And um, it's always great to have you on. Well, great to be um, here. I want to re- remind people to check out our America First policy to make America great again support system over at magapack.org, buglecall.org. And be sure to check out our latest podcasts over at scottadamshow.com. And with that, my name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Cravota. And we'll see you all next time on the radio. Bye bye. Away from the suits in DC, but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.